Welcome to Hub City Homers. This is episode 32. We're back after a brief hiatus. I could tell you guys that our schedules were busy and they were, but the reality is, is after the GCU series, um, we were a little disappointed and weren't sure how to how to have our show. So we were waiting around for some positive news on the baseball front so we didn't have to be too negative. We did get that with the sweep over the Batcats of Kansas State. Um, that was a very important sweep and one that almost wasn't a tight Sunday contest before the Red Raiders are able to take the three-game series. You follow that up with a, what's not mince words here, terrible performance in Amarillo at every level, and you drop a non-conference game, an odd one against OU. Then coming up tomorrow, as of our recording, is your three-game series against TCU on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I haven't checked the weather forecast, but I think that systems more or less moved out. So hopefully you don't have any true delays. Um, I'm here with Jack Bell only partially because of that storm. Kendall lost power and couldn't be with us, and Reed is in the process of moving and uh, getting ready for his new job. So we will hopefully have them back soon. But for this week, it's just going to be me and Jack. So that's going to be our kind of our wrap-up. We'll walk through what happened against Kansas State, what allowed the sweep, what we can learn. We'll talk about the, the disaster, frankly, in Amarillo, and we'll look ahead to the, a very winnable TCU series in Fort Worth. So it's a busy show. We'll try to wrap this one up in 30 to 45 minutes, give you guys a chance to listen before tomorrow night. Um, Jack, we're starting with Kansas State. Games one and two are, are not much of a contest. Um, Kansas State's pretty bad. I don't know if they're worse than KU per se, but there's almost nothing to distinguish between the two. Um, they're, ba- they're a bad baseball team and have been for years. But uh, this is the first time in a while that I think any Big 12 team has won by like 14, 15 runs to nothing. Um, it was a true shutout on Saturday. Friday was a blowout. Sunday was close. So we'll talk about that one separately. But what allowed you in the first two games to really um, put a hurt on the Wildcats? Uh, starting pitching. Uh, you'll pick up on this theme very shortly as we get into this uh, show and this episode as we're diving into each respective series, but it's the starting pitching. Uh, The front end of this tech rotation Friday, Saturday uh, starters are, are, are just ballers. If you want me to put it, if you don't want me to mince words here, they're ballers. Andrew Morris has come out of not really, I don't want to say nowhere because there were some high expectations for him coming in from Colorado Mesa this off season. But I also want to say that uh, we talked about this uh, and I guess on our work chat, we had talked about Brandon Birdsell uh, not leaving when, after getting drafted and coming back to try and up his draft stock and boy, has he uh, Birdsell's pitching out of his mind. I think, and I want to say this, I mentioned it in an article. I think the only person that's hotter than Andrew Morris on the mound is Brandon Birdsell. Uh, Birdsell is just, absolutely killing it right now he's he's pretty he's almost untouchable when it comes to uh when it comes to throwing these pitches and like you said Kansas State really isn't the best of teams to draw make a comparison to uh Tech was struggling a little bit with them in game one until the sixth kind of broke it open but uh that's only in response to them they scored three in the top of the sixth then we came back and scored four in the bottom half of that inning. But uh, I believe Morris is, Morris is looking at his final line from that game. Goes seven innings, three runs, six hits, nine strikeouts, no walks, uh, one wild pitch, one hit batter, 
through 73 pitches. That's pretty much all you can ask for from your starter any day of the week. That's a pretty solid line, and it gives you that type of line gives you the opportunity to win every time. Uh, Bird Cell's line was even more impressive. Uh, he goes six, gives up one hit, no runs, three walks, but 12 strikeouts, 97 pitches through six. Uh, I think even possibly even more impressive than that might have been the relief appearance from Colin Clark. Comes in, gets his first save of the year. Three innings in relief, gives up two hits, uh, no runs, and throws 37 pitches in three innings. That's almost the bare minimum to throw in each inning. And that's pretty impressive. That's the type of relief appearance you're going to look for uh, when those starters are pitching somewhat deep into games, you know, sixth or seventh inning. Now, I said we would talk about Sunday separately because it's, it's, it's a different contest. Kansas State leads for, I believe, seven or eight innings in this game before Tech is able to um, eventually walk them off, off a Jace Young bomb. And what, what I, what I want to focus on there is it's, it's, it's a common problem right now for Tech on Sunday. For one, the team looks, in a word, lackadaisical. But the other problem is you do not have a third starter. Um, Chase Hampton was put into the role on Sunday. He wasn't terrible, but he was mediocre. And he can't give you, at least at the moment, doesn't appear to be able to give you three or four innings. So, you know, Jack... You've seen now basically every arm Tech has to offer. How are you cobbling together enough innings on Sunday to pick up, you know, serious wins and sweeps when you need them? Uh, you know, because Sun, the, 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 we dropped that game against KU, and, you know, TCU is probably the worst remaining Big 12 team, but so you're probably going to need a Sunday win to get a serious win down the line. Um, who, who are you throwing? At some point, you almost have to look at what – Tech did in that second game in Mississippi against Mississippi State. And you almost kind of start to wonder if is a is a platoon game the way to go on Sunday. I kind of think that's what this thing with Chase Hampton was on Sunday against Kansas State. I think that his that Tadlock's plan was only to throw him three innings, regardless of if he gave up ten hits or no hits. Uh, I think he was going to go three innings, maybe four, if he felt co- confident in him. Uh, the thing with Hampton lately, he's just been struggling with command a little bit. Uh, you know, he had three walks in three innings uh, against Kansas State on Sunday. It's been a, it's been a, almost a disturbing trend, not for Hampton himself, but uh, for Red Raider pitching, it's almost all the the struggles have been correlated to the walks, uh, wild pitches, and hit hit batters. Um, if you if you go in and you really want to take a look at the stat sheet and everything, when when there are poor games, there are a lot of walks and uh, and there's at least one or two wild pitches and at least one or two hit batters. Those are free passes that you know even if it's a wild pitch, if there's someone on base, you know someone's moving up ninety feet. So those are those are unnecessary and those can be fixed. You know, command is is a huge. All, I, I'd say that command is, you know, n- almost 90% of the pitching game in the first place. You can throw it hard. You can rear back and throw it hard. But if you can't hit the broad side of a barn, then it doesn't matter. So I think that you can, you could, I guess, 
you could entertain the idea of throwing a platoon game. I don't think that Mason Molina has thrown that poorly. I just think that he's been on the wrong end of some bad luck for a certain amount of games. And you just don't have any consistency from that third spot. Uh, I mean, obviously you throw Molina on Sunday in Kansas and you lose. And then you throw Hampton on Sunday at home against Kansas state and you almost lose. Uh, And so I I do want to give some credibility to the fact that the team does kind of look slow coming out. So, you know, it, it may be the fact that, you know, they know that the series has already been won, but I mean, you got to sweep a good amount of series. If you want to win the Big 12, you have to sweep the the series that need to be swept. Kansas Kansas was one that needed to be swept, uh, but it wasn't. Kansas State needed to be swept, and they were. This one coming up this weekend, TCU, I don't know if you need a sweep necessarily, but you definitely need a series win uh, against a team that's just uh, not as good as they have been in recent years. Um Anyway, with the with the Sunday spot, I almost would look to a platoon style game. I don't, but the the problem is with that. I don't even know who you start the platoon game with because we have a couple of guys. Colin Clark has been great in the back end of games, but I don't know if he's in the right mindset to start a game and just see how long he goes, and then you can try and string together a couple of guys out of the pen and pray to God that nothing happens. But there have been guys that come in for games and they'll go two innings with no hits and strike out four guys in two innings. But then the next time they're out there, they get touched up for five runs in a single inning. There's just no consistency. And right now that's the main problem that I'm seeing. Yeah. I mean, frankly, the, the, the biggest thing you want from your pitchers is just go throw strikes. Um, And, and it's felt like too often you've had guys get into these runs where they just can't, you know, they, they, they just don't have any command over the ball. Um, Divine, we'll get to the, 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 the disaster in Amarillo, but Divine's a great example of this, right? Like, he got himself into some major jams early Tuesday night because he just couldn't throw strikes. Uh, and eventually OU was able to chase him off the mound far earlier, and Tech had to run through a bunch of pitchers that they just got all got dust, dusted up. But that's been a trend in Big 12 play. I mean, look at Texas uh, as an example of this. The series win is fantastic. I don't want to undervalue how important it was to find a way, but you get shelled against Texas. I mean, you're run rolled on Sunday. I mean, you, you, every game's a high-scoring game. Um, you, you, you're fortunate your bats are were alive to survive that, and a lot of this is just you walk people at inopportune times. You know, Burtzell and Morris are strikeout guys, which is kind of crazy. You know, they're true strikeout guys. They, they, they don't walk in an ordinate amount of people and the ball isn't you know i think what what's bird sales record for the season right now 10 or 11 strikeouts i mean they're, they're just this is a, those two dudes are going and getting people down they're throwing strikes um tech has a lot of guys right now on the staff who just are afraid to throw strikes because they've been getting hammered and once you get into that mindset of you know i gotta try to avoid the batter which you see a lot of guys at tech trying to do you start you start walking people more look there are a lot of guys on tech staff who are getting shelled right now you know, that part of the problem is when you do have guys put the ball in play, they're getting hammered. But like you mentioned, you, you're putting up these huge crooked innings in the middle of like good appearances. Again, Devine's a great example of this. His appearances have been really, really strong. 
And then there's just a point where like a fl switch flips and he gets dripped. So I, it's tough because I don't know who you go to right now that's going to throw strikes and get the ball on the ground. It just feels like, and it's not just that guys are getting hit pretty hard. We're giving up a ton of home runs. I mean, just a ton of solo shots, a ton of two-run shots. And I, I don't know who you go to right now. I think Chase Hampton could be the guy. I think he could stabilize it. Molina is somebody I look to maybe to, to be your pitcher two, pitcher three. Um, I didn't hate his stuff. I don't think we've seen enough of him yet to really assess. Uh, maybe you try to, to move one of these guys off the Saturday-Sunday line. You know, somebody like Parrish or Clark or somebody who's, who's been running earlier in this weekend series when you're trying to win the series early. Um, just save them in reserve. I, I just, I don't know. Um, I think Hampton's probably your answer to go first. I think he's the best pitcher left. He has, the, I, he has the most experience for sure. After starting, uh, he's, you know, remember he started game one of that regional against army, uh, last year. So I, I would say that Hampton definitely has the most experience out of it. I think, I think he's, I just, I think the experience thing's critical. I think you just, you're, you're you don't have somebody who's, you don't have a third arm, right? Like you don't have a third weekend starter caliber dude. So at least Hampton, I mean, it, he hasn't had like a necessarily ugly outing. He just hasn't been particularly great. But here, here's the truth of the matter, you know, that this tech ball club's been this way the last few years, a lot of it due to injury. Admittedly, this is the weakest overall staff we've had on the back end, uh, which is kind of sad because Morrison, Birdsell, maybe the best one-two punch tech has had ever. Um, at least how they're pitching right now, you know, knock on wood that they continue this run. Morris kind of out of nowhere. Birdsell probably had a bit more expectation around him. But uh, Hampton's got to be your guy. As for who goes behind him, it's a crapshoot. I hate that we're having to run these guys out. I thought one thing that killed Tech on Tuesday is kill Tech before us. Tadlock has a wickedly quick hook with some of these kids. I think a lot of it, you do have to try to let them throw themselves out of it. They're going out there and they're getting hit. Yeah, they're giving up runs. And I understand that, you know, you're trying to win games. But to some degree, it you know, I, I, I don't question much about Tadlock. But I wonder some of these times, when you've already given up five runs in an inning, you get the quick hook and the game's kind of out of reach. Um, or at least it'd be pretty Herculean to get back in it. Why not give a kid another run, especially in a midweek game? You know, maybe not on a Sunday, but on these Tuesday, Wednesday games where these kids are getting thumped, give them another run. See if they can throw themselves out of the slump, get some confidence back. I think you got a lot of tech pitchers you don't have any confidence, and that's scary because, like I said, TCU's the worst remaining team you've got. They're not good. You know, they, they're, they're, they're probably not going to win a Big 12 series against anybody above, like, the 6 or 7 spot. Um, you know, they've lost a lot of games that they shouldn't have. They're, they're done. I don't know if they'll be a postseason team. After TCU, you will likely have to win a series on a Sunday. That's just going to happen. Either Morris or Birdsell are going to get beat one of these days, you know, especially when you're on the road. So you got to find somebody who's throwing with some confidence and stick them out there on Sunday, either before Hampton or after Hampton, and try to stabilize that situation. The person who you need right now is Brendan Girton. Yeah, and, and that 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 injury is just absolutely killing us right now. And this question's come up several times, so I do want to address it. I think the current timeline has him coming back if he does very late, as in middle late May. And I, from what I understand, we're not confident about that right now. Um, from so, what, I, yeah, from what I've seen, the best case scenario is back for the conference tournament, uh, and which would be the week before regionals. 
Um, yeah. that's the, and that's and that's the best case. Uh, and if that's the case, by yeah. the way, you just won't see him. You just won't see him. I mean, what is it? Is it worth trying to bring him back early, chance of re-injuring, or just not just go ahead, just count him out for the rest of the year and give him a medical red shirt, and he's back next year for his second sophomore campaign? Yeah, I mean, you you probably won't see him, and that's hurting you, right? Because he's probably the guy at this point who's very decidedly your weekend starter um, for Sunday. And the other thing is, well, you'd still have questions behind him. The guy behind him is probably Chase Hampton, who you're a bit more confident in being able to get you, be that bridge from like inning five or six to seven or eight. Um, I, I don't know. No lead is safe on Sunday. And I, I have concerns about the fact that the team looks sleepy every Sunday. I mean, they just, the bats are asleep, you know, the whole, the whole nine, but the, the, the We'll learn more when we get to a Sunday in which it's actually a contest for the series. You know, it, it, it is a sign of some mental weakness by the team that they've looked bad every Sunday. You could, but, you could definitely, you, I mean, as, as weird as it sounds to say, you could see it this coming weekend on a Saturday, nonetheless, because this is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. But I mean, I mean, you got to look at T. I mean, yes, TCU is not as good as they have been in past years. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at their schedule. They're at after us. They have a midweek against UT Arlington, which they should win. But then next, you know, next weekend they're at Oklahoma State. I don't know if they win a game there. Uh, the weekend after that uh, is their is their conference bye week. But guess what? They take a trip and go play three at Florida State. So I don't know if they win any of those. And then. Uh, after that, they're at home against Oklahoma. I don't know if they get any of those with the way Oklahoma's playing. If Oklahoma plays the way they did against us last night, I don't see them getting any of them. And then they're at Kansas for their final uh, Big 12 series. So uh, you realistically, if Tech wins this series like they should, I, I see maybe one series or two because their last one's against Santa Clara. But... I see one realistic series win for TCU left on this schedule, which is for them is concerning. Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're going to really dive into TCU because, uh, you know, this is a completely complete. I mean, like we were looking at this before here, like damn near whole new team that you're talking about with TCU. Um, and it is one in which, you know, the lack of familiarity makes it more difficult to scout. Um, you know, this baseball tends to be a little bit more stable. TC with the coaching change isn't there um, from a stability standpoint. A lot of guys in and out of the program. Before we get to TCU, I want to focus on what happened against OU because there's um, there's people who are, uh, frankly, and it, it, it happens, you know, tech fans tend to be either overwhelmingly alarmist or way too optimistic. And, you know, we're all guilty of both, both of those things. Um but there, there seems to be a lack of alarm about what happened Tuesday night, um, considering this is now your third straight midweek loss, and it's the third straight time you got, frankly, thoroughly outplayed. I mean, OU was the better team by a mile Tuesday night, and it took a pretty, pretty insane late push to even make this much of a contest. So let's really dive into this and talk about, you know, what, what, what are the real concerns? What are things that are, you know, one-night things? 
and really try to focus on that. So, Jack, I want to I want to start on the, the the more positive news. What's something that happened Tuesday night that you think is not necessarily a problem we're going to see going forward? Four errors. You're not going to see four errors again. I can promise you that. Uh, this very uncharacteristic, uh, poor fielding. I don't know if I've ever seen just just the the poor the poor fielding. Uh, I mean, you have you have two errors from Jace Young, which you don't really see. Um, you have one from Hudson White, who you know he's a freshman. He'll go through his set of errors. Everyone does, especially when you're catching. If folks don't remember, not long ago, Braxton Fulford was not that reliable behind the plate until he got further on into his Texas Tech career. The game that comes to mind for me, or basically the season for Braxton, was the run-up to the College World Series, I want to say in 18, when we played Michigan. And that in that postseason, I think, I don't know if he caught a guy, a single guy stealing. And they were running all over him, and he was throwing balls into center field. They were stealing third. He was throwing balls into left field. The balls were getting past him behind to the backstop. Runners were scoring. It was just a whole thing, but he progressively got better. I think Hudson White has played his tail off behind the plate, and even at first when he's when him and Stillwell have swapped positions, and I think he's going to be just fine. I also am almost shocked to see Parker Kelly commit an error. I think he's one of, if not the most sure-handed fielder, one of the most sure-handed fielders that Tech has on the roster. So I just, I'm not, I don't, I know for a fact you probably won't see four errors again this season in a single game. Um, <sighs> That's my spiel for, <laughs> sadly enough, uh, if you want another positive, the bats were going. I mean, we scored nine runs in this game. Uh, granted, we didn't we didn't really get on the board big time until the fifth. Uh, but we scored in the second, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh. Uh, more more times than not, if you have a reliable pitching performance and Tech scores nine runs, it's going to be a win, especially on the front end of the weekend like we mentioned with Morris and Birdsell, if you got those guys pitching in tech scores, nine runs, that's going to be a win nine times out of 10. Yeah, I think, I think the errors is, is a problem that you really don't expect from tech. Um, it's a very well coached ball club. You know, Tadlock is one of what, like five of the truly great college baseball coaches that are active. Um, you know, it, it, it's never been really a thing, I think, with with Tech, especially this season with just a ton of errors. Two from Jay Young in particular is really, really surprising. I think that... Uh, I wanted to talk to you about this, and I didn't ask you about this earlier, but I wanted to talk to you about this. How much do you attribute the fact that the playing surface into these errors? Because I was thinking about it, and... You know, back when back when I played, you know, you, you you don't really get to blame the differences in playing services on your errors. But I think, I mean, yesterday you could definitely tell that they weren't used to playing on normal dirt and grass. I think it matters some. Um, I think I do think like that. Just this reality is, if you practice entirely on a turf surface, you know, and I don't know the reviews on Tex Field 
whether or not ball's playing fast or slow or what the deal is, but it's different, right? You know, and, and if nothing else, it's more uniform. You're less likely to see a ball take a bad hop. Um, you're far less likely to see a ball, um, you know, take a path you weren't expecting just because, you know, a little bit of dirt can throw, you know, the entire trajectory of a bounce off. Whereas with the turf, I would have to imagine it tends to bounces tend to be a bit softer. The ball tends to move a little differently. Again, I don't know if it's fast or slow. I haven't ever played on a turf baseball field to tell you, you know, I've only ever played on real dirt. Uh, it's, it's typically, it typically runs a little bit faster on turf. And, but like you said, the ball runs more true on turf. Like when you're going through, when it, when a ball's going through natural grass and it's rolling, you know, it slows down a lot quicker than it does on that turf. Cause it's just skipping across that turf. And I think, I think part of it is also just, I, when things are going badly, you know, when, when, when you're not, when every inning early was such a battle, you know, divine got himself into some jams against Oklahoma. Um, that puts a lot of pressure on the infield. And I think that there, there becomes more and more of a sense that you've got to make a play. And, you know, it, it just is what it is. It's a combination of things. That's just a bad night. You know, like it just wasn't a good night for the envy. And that happens too. I'm not concerned about the errors, but this does bring us to what I, what I am deeply concerned about. What I am tired of people telling me not to worry about is just how hilariously bad the bullpen has been. I mean, just like I, people have been on, on me on Twitter for being mean and I'm, I apologize to the players, but I'll never attack their character or their will to win. But I absolutely have a question about is whether or not we've got six or seven guys you deserve to be throwing for Texas Tech right now, right? Like, we, we haven't seen it. You've got right now four or five guys who are really thrown well, and you've got maybe one or two who are thrown okay. And then you've got a staff of guys who have just been awful. And and I, I know that nobody likes – to talk about their college teams these ways, but we have to acknowledge at some point that there's a problem. You're the number four team in the nation and can't get out of midweek games because you've got eight guys who you're counting on to be your midweek stable who are not playable. Grand Canyon's a good little ball club. That's going to, they're probably going to win the conference, probably going to be a two seed and a regional potentially could make a super and could really scare some teams. They spanked you. I mean, they spanked you, and they did it because they just hit, they beat the shit out of your pitching. Your pitching was terrible. They looked like they were sitting on every pitch. It was easy for them. And when Tech got into the same situations, the, the reciprocal wasn't true, which is problem, which is I'm glad we didn't see that at least against OU. You tended to get runs home. But the pitching's been a season-long issue during the midweek. It's been a problem every Sunday, and that means you have a short staff. And you can't fix that. Is the problem. I, I think Tadlock's going to push every button, pull every lever, but ignoring it because Tech has a dominant offensive lineup is the same trap we fall into every single season. Look, expectations are different now. I will never want to see Tech fall back to where it used to be. And Tadlock's a fantastic coach, and I don't ever imagine that happening under his watch. But at some point, Tech needs to stop being complacent with just being a, 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 a you know, contender to be the truly great blue blood program that it is so close to being, you have to win in Omaha. Tech's got what, like three wins total and four appearances. And the reason why is because you get to TD Ameritrade and the ballpark does not play offensively. It's the same thing that happens to everybody. 
then the best pitching teams win every year. Every year, the best pitching teams win. That's how it should be. That's what the, the postseason's intended to test. Tech fell last year because the pitching couldn't get it done when the offense fell apart. You know, you went up against two kids who threw very, very well for Stanford. Offense wasn't there. And in that second game, you just got absolutely hammered. It's the same problem. You're one or two arms short. I don't know who you go to. I don't know how you fix it. But it's just reality. And acknowledging it will make everybody feel better down the line and avoid some sort of shell shock if Tech isn't able to get done, you know, another Omaha trip. There's plenty of baseball left to be played. There could be an answer. You need one guy to really step up. It could be Hampton. It could be Devine, who seems to be getting endless run during the midweeks. It could be Molina, Sanders, Clark, maybe Parrish. Who knows? Maybe Gurton makes a miraculous recovery. But until you find it, your ceiling is the Super Regional. That That's reality. And if you don't host the Regional and Super, your ceiling could be a lot lower because if you play in an offensive, unfriendly ballpark, you could be in some trouble. That That's just where you are right now. Birdsell and Morris look dominant. You've got enough relievers behind them not to blow those games. But you have to be able to win three in a row. You have to be able to win when those guys can't throw for another week. And that, that's the difference between Tech being a serious contender, an actual top five team, and a pretender who's just rated this high because they played the two worst Big 12 teams and got a surprising win over Texas. That, that, that's my little ramble. I, 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 just, I get really annoyed with this sense that we have to pretend that the bullpen's amazing or, or that, you know, it's just baseball. These things don't matter. That's three midweeks in a row. And what what are we on now? Like the third or fourth Sunday in a row that the, the bullpen's been terrible. And that that's a trend. Acknowledging a trend doesn't make you a bad fan. It doesn't mean you're rooting for them to fail. It's not mean-spirited. It is a trend. It is how we have to assess this. This isn't a charity. These kids are on scholarship. They play hard. Nobody questions that. But winning is what matters. And I, I trust these kids to keep working every week to get better. And I think Tadlock's going to keep pulling levers to get them better. But that that's what's holding you back. That's the difference between elite and pretender. I would agree with that. And I, I want to focus on the fact that with the performance of the bullpen so far, which has been less than ideal, this team is still ranked – in the top five in the country. Are we a top five team? Probably not. I think we're a top 25 team. I think we're, I think we're a top 15 team, which is just how spectacular of a coaching job this has been. I think this is going to be one of Tadlock's more, um, I guess the word I'm looking for is difficult coaching jobs. One of the more challenging, I should say, uh, coaching jobs that he'll have. Uh, the fact that he has them in the top five right now is absurd. Uh, the, the the front end of the conference schedule is weak other than Texas. Uh, and who's number two at the time when they came to Lubbock. I, I want to run through this with you. I want to walk, th- I want to walk through this with you. And just because we're focused on last night, right now, right now, um, Tech used nine pitchers in nine innings. Um, 
and your starter went three. <laughs> so you have one, two, three, four, five guys that went less than a full inning. You have one, two, three out of, so a third of them didn't allow a run which means two-thirds of them did allow a run. And the most run you got out of anyone after your starter was Beckel, who went an inning in two-thirds and only gave up a hit. No runs, three strikeouts, threw 25 pitches in an inning in two-thirds. This Okay, so the, the Beckel thing is something I talked about earlier, and this is something somebody, I don't know if I saw it on Twitter or what, but this is what... I am a little frustrated about. He was the best pitcher of the night for Tech. You know, the, the, this yes. wasn't like yes. he was completely like in command. It was a what, like a two, three run game when he exited? You lose by six. I mean, what 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 runs through your head in a night where you're just getting blasted? Because what we saw was Beckel and eight guys who probably shouldn't have thrown that night. Divine should have gotten punished really hard. He did not have a good night. Uh, if OU hadn't gotten themselves into some bad situational hitting, you know, Divine would have given up seven or eight. Uh, I'll, I'll, just- I'll say this right now, and I'll and just to reiterate that point that Beckel was the best one, he was the only pitcher that did not allow a run or a walk last night. The only pitcher. And he yeah. went out of nine that were used. And look, we all knew going in that Amarillo was going to play fast tonight. Like we knew oh, that yeah, this 30, there's 30 mile an hour winds. It, you knew the ball the was going to be flying. The problem is, is like what I don't understand is you're looking for the guy who's going to be your third Sunday starter or your third weekend starter. You're looking for the reliever to come out on Sunday. If you're locked in on Hampton being the starter, which I'm fine with, he's serviceable and he could become great with more run. You know, he's got a lot of experience. He could keep getting better, get his confidence up. You're looking for the guy to put behind him. Why Why are you pulling a guy like Beckel in a close game when you could give him a run? Look, Tadlock's a fantastic coach. I think you mentioned this. And it. I am fully aware that it is becoming a spoiled problem that we're, we're every year worried about Omaha in the middle of the regular season. And I, I, I fully accept that. You know, like I'm going to be rooting for these guys every step of the way until they get there. Even though I think that the show could end at any moment, I'm fine with the ride. And it, it is an accomplishment in of itself that Tadlock's taken who, what I think is one of the worst tech bullpens in a few years this far. The problem is, is that the only question I have is what are we doing in these midweek games? Like what, what losing? I mean, we're getting hammered and it, we're not, nobody's getting a chance. You're pulling guys who were having decent innings immediately. I think it was GCU. Didn't we have somebody go an inning without giving up a run, and then he gets pulled, and the next inning they give up like three? I mean, this is it's it. I understand during the midweek you're throwing as many guys as you can, but you're looking for one or two arms to go from good to great. I think Tech ceiling is the super regional right now because you can win two out of three. You can win your regional, and you can win a super with the staff you've got. Because Birdsell and Morris are that good, and you just got to hope Hampton remains calm, collected, and can ride his experience, especially if you're hosting. But I don't understand why we're running guys out there for an inning, half an inning, whatever. Even if these guys are getting hit, you know the next guy's going to get hit just as hard. Let somebody play an inning out. 
See if they can get out of a jam. And especially the OU, the debacle decision drives me nuts is because the reason you pulled some of these guys early is because the game was still winnable. And then you finally catch up. The bats wake up and you're right there and you pull the kid and that ended the game. That ended the game. That was game you'll, over. You'll you'll love this. You you were correct in the in the Grand Canyon thing. Um, Molina came in in a relief appearance on the Wednesday game. Um, goes an inning, no hits, no runs, a strikeout, three up, three down. Is pulled. The guy that comes in after him. Uh, goes an inning, two hits, one run, a strikeout, a walk. Uh, faces six batters, throws 20 pitches. Um, Tech lost that game by one run. Yeah, I mean, it's this, and look, Tadlock and this staff knows more about baseball than I'll ever hope to learn. Yeah, And it's absolutely. easier to be a Monday, night, a Monday armchair quarterback than anything else. Yeah, hindsight's always going to be 2020 on these. So I will say, guys, on, on the Viva account, if, if you're mad that a sports opinion page offers an opinion, you're honest to God, you're just following the wrong thing. That's fine. I'm fine if you want to. There are great tech sites out there that will never criticize what's happening. That that's there are a lot of them. You can find them. Tech has a robust blogosphere. That's not going to be me, and that's not going to be Zach, and that's not going to be our writers. Me. Yeah, it's not going to be me. That's for sure. It's not going to be Jack. If you if this is if this podcast is any indication, we're not going to do it. Um, we're going to call a spade a spade. So. Well, I respect everything Tadlock's done, and I know he knows more about baseball than I ever can hope to. I would very much like somebody to ask him the hard question, why? why? What's the logic? Just defend it. Explain what this logic is. Maybe it makes sense. Maybe the thought process is, okay, it's a midweek. You just saw what Beckel and Molina have done. Move on to the next guy. See if you can find him. And if that's the case, great. Then I expect we see Beckel on Sunday. Well, not this week, but on a normal week. You'd see him on a Sunday because – you know, you figured it well, out. He only he only threw an inning in two thirds, so you never know if you don't if 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 it comes down to it on Saturday, you could he, say might, he might he might get some run. I wouldn't be against it. And Jack, this is a thing I want to ask you, and that, that I asked this question on Twitter after the GCU series and got mixed results. And I'm I'm curious with your thoughts. You know, my position is that as long as Tech hosts its regional, it can win the regional pretty easily. Even if it doesn't, I, I don't think there's a world right now where Tech falls all the way out of the regional host, but. You know, that's a nightmare scenario, but you, you're most likely going to host that. I think Tech can win that. I think yes. Tech's got enough in the tank to win the Super. It I don't on, think it, Tech it, has anything left after that. I think what? it. I think the Super depends on what type of – if you're playing in Lubbock, then that's one thing. But if you're not, you got to hope that you're playing in a hitter-friendly ballpark like you mentioned because if you're not playing in a hitter-friendly park and – I mean, I think you're more likely to – you could win a Super just because it's a three-game format. It's best of three, just lay it down on the line. I think – if and if you host the regional, then you could because even though there are three other teams, you know, you're at home. You can hit the hell out of the ball in, the, in our ballpark and it's going to go. And one of the things is against one of those teams, that one four seed, you're probably going to throw some – you're not going to throw more. I'd throw Chase Hampton. Yeah, you're going th- to reverse the order and you're probably going to win that game easy. Um, but I mean, it, it brings up a point that I think you've been harping on a lot, which is just, uh, you know, this is a situation for tech that is becoming all too familiar. Um, it's a trend. You can call it, call it what it is. It's a trend, which is, we just don't, I mean, in past years, there's been injuries. Um, 
I mean, if everyone remembers Shit, the year, this year, there's fucking injuries and Gurton losing Gurton is br- losing Gurton. It, it is unbelievably how impactful that's become. It's your but, top. It's your top reliever. Is it, I mean, again, we'll call it like it is. That's based on last season and based on everything that happened and how the season started. Brendan Gurton was your top reliever. And, and I think, I think and, at this yeah. point, I think at this point, like, and this, this is a question I also want to ask you because I'm, I, 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 and people don't like when we comment on specific players. And again, I think that's silly. You know, as long as, as long as the commentary is on, on what happens on the field, I don't mind. You I'm know, not, yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna attack you off the field. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure every single person that plays for tech athletics is a swell guy, swell, swell lady, swell guy off, off their playing field. But you know, what we're here to talk about and what our content is, is to talk about what happens on the field. And, and, this, and this, sometimes it's not good. No. And this is, this is so it, the reason why we're talking so much about this, by the way, is this particular game. I, in my experience, tech baseball fans tend to be, I, I I'll, I'll leave it at that. They just tend to be, um, <laughs> uh, but the guy yes. I'm worried about is Devon. Cause it's apparent that Tadlock is, is convinced that this is it. This is the guy they're trying to build, you know, a, a, a reliable arm out of. And we've been critical of Divine in the past, last year in particular. You know, are you seeing anything this year that gives you reason for hope? And after this, we're going to pivot to TCU because as negative as OU is, there is a big series this week that Tech should win. But this will be my last question because, uh, you know, baseball is a, is a long game. Is I Divine, see. do you see something in there that, you know, the staff has seen? that gives you the belief that he should continue to get these chunk innings. The problem, the I'll start with a problem that I see, and it's something that I've seen ever since the start of last season. And, and everyone talks about, you know, his 2020 and his 2020 was great. It was, he had great, he had a great year, but guess what? There were 14 games in that season. So I'm again, call it how, call it what it is. That's not a real season. You don't really get to see a full a full season's worth of work from someone. So I don't think that you can really justify giving someone all this run because, oh, their 2020 was great. Their COVID year was great. Well, guess what? There were 14 games played. Uh, you know, three quarters of the country had a great year if you want to lay it down like that. But what I'm seeing poor... I'm seeing a lot less of the poor stuff this year than I was last year, and I'm seeing a lot of stuff that is improving. I'll say that. Um, Let's just take yesterday's game into example. Three innings, three hits, no runs. If you just block off the rest of the box sheet on that, that's a win. That's a solid relief appearance for anyone. I would pray for that relief appearance from anyone on this roster right now. But then you keep working down a little bit, and here's where we get dicey. uh, Five walks. Five walks in three innings is going to get you, is going to get you the tadlock hook real quick. Uh, a wild pitch, and your pitch count is high. Seventy pitches through three innings. Other than the walks and the free passes, what that tells me is that you're getting into deep counts, and. You know, it could just be a good battle. You know, we've seen Jace Young a couple times. I think I can't even remember what series it was when 
he goes yard on like the 14th pitch of the at bat or whatever. Though, but those are a dime a dozen. You can't really narrow it down to one thing like that. What what a 70 pitch outing in three innings shows me is that you're getting deep into counts with hitters, which means you have two strikes at least probably 95% of the time, and you just can't get that final pitch across to retire hitters. Uh, I mean, he did have three strikeouts, but, I mean, how many of these, how many times are you getting ahead in the count, be it 01, 02, you know, 1 and 2? You know, how often are you ahead in the count, but you just can't, you just can't make that strikeout pitch? And I think that's something that can be improved on for sure. I mean, you keep improving on that breaking ball or shit, even pump a pump a four seamer with some tail on it. You know, I don't, I don't really, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know, really know what he's pumping in there. Maybe 90, 91, 92. But I mean, if you get, if you get a nice four seamer at 92 with some tail on it to a right-handed hitter, you know, that's going to run in on the hands and that's, that's really uncomfortable to try and hit. So, you know, work on the fastball, put some more, te- or, you know, just work on some, work on your secondary or your third or your tertiary pitch, you know, like it's not, I don't want to say it's not rocket science because, you know, old man baseball and people who have played it, played the game and coached for years, you know, there is a science to it. There's an art to it. There is, but I, for someone to get chunk innings, if he's going to continue to get chunking, like I said, I'm seeing a lot of improvement over last year. I really am. And I'm glad for that because he is, because if he's going to keep getting the run like he is, then he needs to be improving. But I think we need to see more of the, of that strikeout pitch. I think that's something to improve on. That's something that can be improved on. That's fairly easy. And I think that, the, if he starts improving on his command, which comes with that secondary and tertiary pitch, you know, if those walks go down and those strikeouts go up, I could, I honestly, and I can't believe I'm saying this in the year of our Lord, 2022, if those walks go down and those strikeouts go up, I don't mind seeing him being thrown on a Sunday in the starter in that, in that leadoff spot or in the spot right behind Hampton. Yeah, I mean, this was the first outing for Divine that he's had this year where I was, I was discouraged. Well, I was, I was the one thing I was also impressed with in this game. I will say was that even though he loaded the bases, let off, let off, I think the second and third inning with a walk, which is bad. That's not good. But what I was impressed with was that he was able to, even when he loaded the bases in both, he was able to pitch out of it. He didn't just default and just break down and collapse and just give up 18 runs. Uh, you know, even and you know, in one of those innings, I second or third, uh, you know, he should have been out of that inning a lot sooner than he was, but you had an air, you had a couple errors in one of those innings. So again, that's where everything kind of comes and meshes together. Um, but I am encouraged by the fact that he was able to get out of it, even with the errors behind him. Uh, I just need to see the control and the command better and just work on those secondary and tertiary pitches to get that strikeout pitch. Yeah, I mean, like, the, 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 we have not been the biggest Divine fans. Um, he gets a lot of a lot of leeway with the staff. Um, 
this year you're seeing though it it, it click a bit more. Now the problem with with Andrew continues to be is can't stand prosperity. He gets out of two big jams. You know he gets out of two big jams last night that he more or less induced. Um, you know. Oh yeah, they're self inflicted for the most part. I mean, other than like you said, other than those two errors, they're. I mean, lead lead off walks. They're self induced. But the 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 part you know that you do like is he's stringing together a few more positive innings. Yes, it, absolutely. It's becoming less where he can get, you know, where he's getting run off after, you know, one time through the order, and it, it it's not there yet, a hundred percent. He he, I I tend to believe this is mental. I think that he's demonstrated he's got stuff. You know, I, I I don't think that the question of divine stuff. I think that's why the staff keeps throwing him is because he's got legitimate D one starter level caliber pitching. It's just he can't when he's when the at, game gets yeah, I mean, tighter, yeah. when things get a bit tighter, he can't quite finish off batters. Which was why it was great to see him get himself out of jams. He gets chased off. He wasn't getting a lot of help from his infield. This was the first outing he's had this year where I thought. He really didn't pitch well. I thought he's pitched pretty decently a lot of the season. He's given up some hits, some runs. He's walked way too many people. But there's been stretches where I thought he's the guy who could step into a Sunday relief role. And that that's that's the first time in like a year and a half I've been able to say that. So I, I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's Molina. I don't know if it's going to be Hampton. But the, the, the big bright side at the end of the pitching rainbow before we get into the TCU is there are at least some guys – that maybe can 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 stabilize the boat, you know, and they may they, not. Yeah. the alternative that, right? Like I, we don't have definitive proof that they're gonna do it, but there there's some hope that one of these guys or two of them can step up and really clean it up. Which brings us to TCU, you know, Jack. You, you you've been looking at TCU. It's a completely different team. Uh, you know, what are you expecting out of this series? Uh, you know. I, I am. I have been looking at this squad. Um, there are some guys that you recognize uh, in terms of the hitting. I mean, you, you, their best two hitters are Tommy Sacco and Braden Taylor. Uh, they've been around. Uh, Elijah Nunez has been there. Luke Boyers is there. Uh, Gray Rogers. Guys, you recognize. There are a couple of guys that are not necessarily uh, ones that you might remember uh in the field uh the main turnover and and from this team really has been the the pitching staff uh, i mean you ha- you have austin crop who has been hurt for a majority of this year uh just got back recently um uh, river ridings who is a late inning guy uh he has nine saves this year i, I imagine that's probably good for tops in the big 12 um but you know, I just the team is new, pitchy staff wise. It's a lot of guys that really aren't that you don't really recognize or remember. But um, this is what is to be expected when your head coach leaves. Um, I mean, God, how long was Schloss at TCU? He was there for twenty some odd years. I feel like so. I don't know if it was 20, but I know that it was definitely, you know, probably over 15. Uh, you know, he was there for a long time. 
and he brought consistency and, you know, he, he weathered the storm with them through from the transition from the mountain West to the big 12. And they never really lost anything. Shit. They were good when they were in the mountain West. Uh, so they were good. They were going to Omaha when they were in the mountain West. So uh, they only got better. They only got better or access to better talent. I should say uh, when they moved to the big 12. So now that Schloss is at, at Texas A&M, uh, you know, Kirk Sarloos stayed behind and took the reins for the, for the, you know, baseball team. And uh, I would almost consider it kind of like a Chris Beard, Mark Adams situation other than every, other than everyone at TCU still loves Schloss because he left the right way. Um, but he had an, he offered, he wanted all of his assistants to go with him to Texas A&M. Sarlu stayed, said, I'll, I'll take the reins. And uh, if I remember correctly, I think Schlossnagel wrote him a letter of recommend or wrote TCU a recommendation saying that they should give it to Sarlu's. And I don't even think that they looked outside. I think they knew from the start that if he was going to stay, then he was the guy. Um, but like I said, that's kind of what is expected when your coach up and leaves after 15 years. Um, they're still kind of trying to find their their feet here and there. You know, they're what are they? They're twenty one and twelve on the year. They've won. They've won twenty one games, so they're not a bad squad, but they're not as good as they have been. They've lost to some teams that they should not have lost to. Uh, they lost to Abilene Christian at home. They lost to UTSA at home. They lost a series at home to West Virginia. Um, you know, they lost the series at Texas in Austin, but they won one of those games, 7-5. to five. This team, but then, and then this past Tuesday, I guess yesterday, they lose to Dallas Baptist 6-1. to one. So this team is all over the place right now. You really don't know what you're going to get. Um, I think their most reliable stuff has come from their weekend starters. Uh, they're, they're kind of all, I don't want to say they're similar to tech cause they're really not. Uh, they have a lot more question marks than we do. Their hitting has question marks by it. Um, Tech's really doesn't. Um, but you know, they have, they have weekend pitching that has gotten them through a lot of this season. Um, and now that they have Krob back, you know, he might be going this weekend. I, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at their uh, at their pitching uh, projections yet. But, you know, you're probably going to see River Ridings, who, uh, who was a perfect, I think, 10 for 10 or 11 for 11 last season until he came to Tech. And I think he blew two saves in that TCU series last year at home in Lubbock. So, um, Tech the guys who are on the roster still from last year should recognize him pretty. This is a tall dude. I think he's got that real weird sidearm delivery, but um, you know what I'm expecting from this series is for tech to challenge and for TCU to challenge tech. Really? Uh, I, I think this could, I don't think that this will be a clean sweep for tech. They haven't shown me enough away from Dan law really to confidently say that this should be a sweep. Uh, I'm looking for more of a series win, two out of three games. And like we said, it might come down to Sunday. Um, if I'll say this right now, I will say this. If 
Morris and Birdsell pitch on Thursday and Friday like they have so far uh, this year, Tech wins the first two. And uh, TCU's got to hope to salvage one on Sunday. Because uh, right now, Morris and Birdsell are just ridiculously hot. And I don't think that uh, I don't think the TCU bats are going to change that. Yeah, I would say what I'm looking for this series is I want to I want to see a team that really wants to make me you know look bad, not personally, but you know the that I want all of this analysis in the bullpen, all this worry about pitching to be for not. I'm perfectly happy to win however you can get it, but if we could just win without having to score 15 runs, yes, you know on That'd a Sunday. Nice. Like when you, when you don't need some late bat heroics to win on a Sunday, because yeah, I don't think TCU's good enough to beat Birdsell. I don't think they're good enough to beat Morris. As long as those two guys pitch like that, Tech should expect to win basically every one too. You know, uh, the, until you get maybe to like Oklahoma State or, uh, I guess really just Oklahoma State. I mean, West Virginia is pretty decent, but point being, you should feel good with those two guys with how they're pitching. I want Tech to get get to Sunday, look like they're in attack mode, or I guess Saturday, look like they're in attack mode, and, and win a, a, not a pitcher's duel per se, but win, win comfortably. Don't rely on Jace Young hitting bombs or Parker Kelly hitting bombs or you know Cole Stilwell. Rely on Chase Hampton's giving you four or five reliable innings, somebody stepping up behind him giving you a couple more, and then one or two more guys pitching your way out of it. Give up three, four runs total and call it a great weekend. I don't think Tech necessarily will sweep TCU just because I the Sunday question from the now Saturday is so unsettled. But I, I look at TCU as, as the last series that you probably will have a chance to sweep and one that would give you a definitive edge in the Big 12 race. Um, I, I, I think of it as a must sweep if you seriously want to win. Because TCU is probably not going to win a series, you know they 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 may have one more in them, but what they are going to probably do is they're going to beat some teams, they're going to beat somebody once, they're going to beat OU or Oklahoma State or whoever the hell is up ahead for them once, and and that's going to you know set back some of these squads. And if you can get this win, get a clean sweep, and hold that one that one win advantage, that that could pay dividends. I mean, it's you get back the loss you dropped to KU which is what you're, you're now trying to do. You're trying to make up for that loss. But you're on the road. Um, you don't know who, what's going to happen on Saturday. I feel confident Tech wins this series. Sun, the Saturday game against your Sunday staff is going to be, you know, a crapshoot. Who knows? But like I said, I want to see a team that makes all of this, this hand-wringing that I've been doing irrelevant. I want to see a team that pitches confidently on Saturday. You don't have a true shutout Saturday starter. That's not going to probably materialize. That's fine. But have a guy who can keep, you know, a two or three ERA. You know, make make, the, make your goal only to give up four or five every Sunday. And I'll live with that. You know, you're just, you can't count on your team winning all these games, nine, ten to seven. And just, you, you need a guy, you need a staff, a, a combined effort that can keep it three, four, five runs on, on, on a, a, a go-away day, and that's what I want to see. I want to see a team up against weaker competition really take charge in the last game of the series, 
look confident and look like they want to be there all three games. I also want to I also want to put out there that throughout this episode we've been talking about all the pitch staff. In no way, shape, or form are either of us expecting Tech to go out and give up one or two runs in every single game. That's just not going to happen, and we both know that. There are yeah, going to be no, there are going to be see. yeah. You're not going to see zero, one, and two for every game for Tech, and that's not what we're expecting. Just I would be confident in five or six more than I'm confident when we give up fourteen. Let's let's just call it how it is. Look look at the series to date. You got blown out against Texas on Sunday. You lost twelve to one. You turn around and you've got KU, which you also lose. What was the final of the KU Sunday? Uh, it was eight to five. Eight to five. So you got an eight spot dropped on you. You had you need a great closing performance on Sunday to keep Kansas State from beating you, and you still give up what seven? Six. Yeah. Six. I'm and you and and to, if you want to keep going back at Iowa Sunday you lose six to three. Um, uh, Sunday your last <laughs> oh my god your last Sunday win before Kansas State was all the way back March thirteenth at Rice when you won seven to four. Let me let me put it this way: if Tech can keep teams at five. I am confident you will win basically every ball game you play. That that's I I don't expect perfection, especially because like I said, there's not there's no Caleb Killian strolling out of that bullpen out of nowhere to lock up that that third spot. You don't have a third guy. You're gonna have to find a committee that can limit the damage, stop the bleeding. Because when this uh, part of the problem on Sundays, they're getting jumped on so early. It's it's a backbreaker. You know, you can't, you don't feel competitive in a lot of these games. And sometimes against Kansas State, the bats woke up. Jay Shung and the gang really did a great job. Um, Parker Kelly, Wilson's been phenomenal. Cole Stillwell, Easton Morrell, Washburn. These guys are hitting the ball well when it when they wake up. But five runs, that's the target. If you hold every Sunday team you play from here on out to five runs, you're going to win 90-something percent of those games, and you will win the Big 12. And if you can keep that trend going in the postseason, there is a chance that we finally get Tadlock the national title he he deserves because that's what's holding you back. You will not fare well in the postseason if that third staff group is giving up 7 to 12 runs a game. And right now, I think I saw a stat, the ERA combined of everyone – of besides Easton, uh, besides uh, Birdsell and Morris, is a five. That includes guys who played Merrimack, Rice, Oof. a bad Iowa team, mm. you, you know, San Kansas. Uh, uh, Kansas, Kansas State. You know, th- these are guys that are playing the worst competition Tech's face, and they're giving up a five ERA. So you need, and I'm fine if five is where it stops. But what you have to remember is in that five spot, what's already factored in are the games where you blew out Merrimack like 40 to zero. You know, the, the, despite some of these ridiculous cricket scores we had early in the year, you're still giving up an insane number of runs. That has to stop. Like Jack said, you don't need one, two, threes on every scoreboard. What you need is five. What you need is maybe six. When you start giving up seven plus, you're in danger, especially away from Lubbock where the ballparks play less offensively but um 
that uh, like I said, the thing that I want to see more than anything else, I want all this analysis to become irrelevant. Uh, I, I want, I want Shea Hardis out of the mound or out on the mound at least a portion at some point on Saturday. Shea Hardis has gone thirteen and a third innings this season. Is the only Red Raider pitcher to not have a walk. So I would like to see that him on the mound at some point. I know he's got a four ERA, but his whip is 0.98, which is absurdly good. He's given up 13 hits, but that's in 13 innings. He's given up six runs, but the hitters are only hitting 250 against him. So, um, I mean, it's not, it's not anything ridiculous. Also, before we end here tonight, I do want to drop that I will be at Lupton Stadium in Fort Worth on Friday night. I have tickets. I am going. So I will be posting from probably the Hub account, but definitely my personal and probably just retweeting it from the Hub account. Uh, I will be there. I have the cheap outdoor general or outfield general admission uh, seats they were like a, a solid 14 or 15 dollars so uh if you can find me i'll be posting some pictures of where i'm at someone come find me we'll have a beer and watch some tech baseball so yeah we're gonna close here because i think this is a good stopping point go say hi to jack if you're able to get out the lup then i think the weather's supposed to cooperate so make a show i know yeah as far as i know it's supposed to be pretty good so, you know, I know Fort Worth is a big Red Raider alumni base. So for those of you who are out there, um, go make some noise. It's always fun to kind of to, to see and hear the tech fans in any TCU sporting event. Um, I'll close with the final thought, right? Like this, this podcast was probably more negative than I wanted it to be from my perspective. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's always, I in particular have a definitely, as many people have noted, a habit of being a, a bit of a roller coaster. And that, that's fine. But like I said, at the end of the day, being worried about what the team's going to do, the ceiling, all that, doesn't make you a bad fan. And I get more exhausted than anything by discussions about fan purity, um, especially in college sports. Uh, it, 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 just, it just wears me the fuck out to hear these discussions about, you know, you didn't support them enough or you, you, you said something I thought was mean. I just... I'm fine if you want to call people out for character assassinations. I'm fine if you want to, you know, uh, be an endless optimist. Those, those things are great. But, you know, let people react to things. And we, you'll all have a better time with us on the Viva account anyways, because I'm going to continue to react to things as they happen. Um, and hopefully, like I said, hopefully that after this weekend, all of this analysis, all of my concerns are for not and tech cruises against TCU. And that sets up a historically great run and coaching job by tablet down the line, which is what we're all hoping for at the end of the day. Um, so stay tuned. If you're able to see Jack, go say hi, pay attention to his account and the hub account, the Viva account. I don't always have the opportunity to watch the games as they're happening. Um, my ESPN plus isn't always reliable and I'm usually running around during the six o'clock ish windows that these games are played in. So the view account will be sporadically tweeting as well. So plenty of analysis coming all around. Enjoy the baseball season. And, you know, let's just see what happens. Let's see what can be fixed and how this goes. You're still a top rated team of all your goals ahead of you. A lot of baseball left to be played. 
Enjoy the weekend.